Bibles, if you would, turn to Hebrews chapter number 12, and we're going to read a few verses tonight. I'm always thankful for the opportunity to preach, of course, and very thankful for our new soundboard back there, and it looks like, I think Mr. Dale Sweat said, welcome to the Starship Enterprise, you know. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty high tech, and so it's a little bit above our heads, and we're thankful for our sound guy who stayed uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night tonight to help us out with that and to work out all the little kinks, but uh, be patient, uh, you know, hopefully it, we'll, we'll be able to figure it out, hopefully we will. Uh, so we got your Bibles here in Hebrews chapter number 12, uh, verse number one through three. One through three here. Uh, the title of my message is Keep on Running. I did speak on this topic in, in bus meeting a few years ago. They got the five minute version. Uh, you guys are going to get a little bit longer than five minutes. Won't be too long, I don't think, but along the same lines. Uh, but let's go ahead and let's uh, read the passage here, Hebrews 12, one through three. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run the race with patience, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Let's have a brief word of prayer before we get started. Lord, we're thankful, we're so privileged uh, to be in your house this evening. Thank you uh, that we have the freedom in this country to open the word of God and proclaim the truth from it. And we ask tonight uh, your special blessing on the preaching of your word. Help me to be a blessing to these folks. Uh, use me despite my faults and my failures. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, many people don't really know this about me. I haven't told a whole lot of people here except for maybe people in the bus, bus meeting, but... Uh, this passage here has some, a little bit of a special meaning to me uh, because I've actually, I've run uh, four marathons, 26.2-mile uh, uh, marathons. I got, brought a few of my medals just to show you here in case you didn't believe me. I know how you guys are. Had to bring them. But a few of them, when I was 14 years old, a couple of my friends, they were really interested in running. I was never really interested in it, even throughout doing the whole thing. I really didn't want to do it. It was just peer pressure, and all my friends were doing it, so I figured I'd join along with them, and they pushed me to go and get started running. And so it started off small. Oh, we'll just run a mile here, a few miles. Of course, we were already involved in sports and basketball and things. So we were already pretty good in shape. But at 14, uh, we signed up for... My first marathon, it was in Mountain Home, Arkansas, uh, 2007, of course, and it was a small medal. It was a uh, marathon, and all the proceeds went to Kenya for some sort of uh, missions trip there. The next one was in Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee, and this was actually one of my favorite ones, and it was a called the Memphis uh, Blues Marathon. It was St. Jude Memphis Marathon, and all the proceeds, of course, went to um, it's the St. Jude Children's Home that's there in Memphis, Tennessee. And then another interesting one is the Berkey Trail Run Marathon, and that was in Upper Wisconsin. Had a friend that we drove all the way up there, and we ended up running it with him. And it was a trail mar marathon on an old uh, ski cross-country course, and it was interesting. It was in the summertime. It was, it was pretty interesting, not running on pavement or anything, uh, but that was, that was pretty fun. And then the last one here is 
the Little Rock Marathon. And this is the big one here. And this one was a lot of fun. The last one, I ever, the last one I've done and probably the last one I will ever do. But this one is special because Little Rock claims has the claim to the biggest medals. As you can see, all the other ones that I have here, if I hold them up, <laughs> if I hold them up here, they are very small in comparison to this one. This one's pretty heavy, pretty weighty. Uh, these ones, all the benefits went to good causes. This one, all of them went to paying for these big medals. <laughs> but this particular medal, of course, Texas, everybody says the claim is that everything's bigger in Texas. And so a few places in Texas where they do marathons have competed over the years to try to beat out Little Rock, but we always, we don't, we don't let them have this. And so many people put it on their bucket list of marathons to go to the Little Rock Marathon and get a big one. And so when I come to this passage here, I, I see some, some similarities. I, I definitely understand what the writer of Hebrews is uh, talking about. And it really just is kind of somewhat of a, a special meaning to me, maybe slight insight, I could say, maybe. Uh, but it was a privilege to be able to do that, and looking at this passage, it just totally stuck out to me, uh, some of the truths that are in here. So I want to just go systematically through Hebrews chapter 12, the three verses that we looked at. We're going to go uh, phrase by phrase here and for the next few moments and pull some truths from these uh, passages that I hope can be a blessing to you. Um, we're going to start with the first part, Hebrews 12, verse number 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed with, uh, with so great a cloud of witnesses. The writer here gives an, gives an illustration, gives an idea. Back in this time, they had, these, they had big games in amphitheaters during that time. And the athletes would go and compete in these big arenas with everybody watching him. And he gives this illustration that, uh, that the people who are alive now, the believers who are alive now, they are the ones who are performing. And all the people who are in the stands, they would be the ones who previously had run the race, run the Christian race, and uh, are now on the other side. And so an interesting thing, uh, the St. Jude Memphis Marathon, you run the whole thing, you run the whole thing, and the finish line was the, the most awesome finish line out of any of the other ones that I had done. What happens is you would run, and you finished inside the auto zone, I believe it's called the auto zone park there in Memphis, Tennessee, which was a minor league baseball team's uh, stadium. And so even just going up to the stadium, when you see it afar up, you can hear people in there. And of course, these were all the people who had already finished the marathon. Now, for me, uh, there was a lot of them. There was a lot of them who had already finished. Uh, now, please, I'm not bragging about these marathons. I forgot to mention that. Uh, you could probably go on the internet and look up my name and my title and see most, a lot, you know, professional people run them in two and a half hours, sometimes a little shy. I'm like double that. And so uh, I just tried to finish. But most people, they had already made it into the stadium by that time. And you can hear them cheering as one after another after another goes and makes their way into that stadium, and they go wild cheering on the runner that's coming across the finish line. And the most awesome thing was when you make your way, and as soon as you enter into the stadium, there's a guy with binoculars on a microphone, and he sees your number, and he says, three, number 364, Chris Barrows, and everybody just goes wild, and it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's great. And it's, it's a wonderful experience. And 
That, I believe, is kind of the idea of what uh, the writer of Hebrews here is talking about. Now, the interesting thing in the previous chapter, if you do uh, turn there or look at it, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a list of 16 individuals and one group of people. You have Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, uh, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, um, Gideon, Barak, Samson, uh, Japheth, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Those are the people who are listed in there. And they make it to this passage, which is often referred to as the Hall of Faith. And they are there because they showed exemplary faith in their lives. And so really briefly, I just want to look at these. Abel, we see that it says that Abel offered up a more pleasing sacrifice than his wicked brother Cain did. He had pressures from his a brother, I'm sure, not to do the right thing. We know uh, Abel obeyed God. And he had faith uh, and, and did what he was supposed to do. Enoch, it says that he pleased God. And because he pleased God, um, he was translated, did not even get to see death. Uh, and it was a wonderful experience for him, I'm sure. Noah, it says, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, preparing an ark to the, to the saving of his house by which he uh, condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah heard that God was going to destroy the earth. And God gave him a pretty wild task. He says, I want you to build an ark. I want you to put all the animals on it. If that was me, he was telling that to, I'd say, come, come again. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty wild. And of course, but in faith, he did that. And not only did he do it, but he endured all the, the hard things that came with it, all the uh, persecutions that came along with it. But the Bible says in uh, 1 Peter, I believe, chapter 3, that Noah, he was a preacher of righteousness. Throughout all that, he was faithful. Abraham, of course, God called him to get up out of his country, to leave uh, his father's place and to go to a land that he was not familiar with, the land of the Canaanites. And God said that he was going to give his children and his children's children this, this land. And Noah, he was, I mean, I'm sorry, Abraham, who being already established, simply believed God, got up out of his land and moved. He, was, he did that. We have Sarah, who, who was old in age, it says that she uh, received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Of course, we know Isaac being born and Abraham showing an immense amount of faith when he held up that knife, knife over his only son. And we see here in this passage he, him believing that God would even raise his son Isaac up from the grave. Then we see Isaac here in this passage who passed on the blessing that God would uh, continue his promise and Jacob passing on the blessing as well um, to, to uh, his children. Uh, Joseph, of course, down in Egypt, being betray betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused, falsely in prison, rose to second in command of all in Egypt, saved his family, and even after all of that, he didn't want his body to be buried in the land of Egypt, and he wanted to be buried in the land that God was going to give his fathers. You can dig around all you want down in Egypt, but you're not going to find his bones, his body. They, he had faith that God was going to continue on doing what he was supposed to do. We got Moses, of course, who... Uh, Tom Gillespie hit on in bus meeting today. I love bus meeting. Uh, if you ever are interested, you don't have to ride the bus to go to bus meeting. Right, Mr. Knott? And it's very good. It's very, very good. And uh, Mr. Gillespie this morning talked about Jochebed, the mother of Moses, and a little bit about Moses there. And uh, it was definitely a blessing. Uh, but Moses, of course, 
he chose, when he became of age, not to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He gave up the pleasures and the thrills of Egypt and chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of Egypt for a season. He had everything going for him, but he'd rather suffer affliction with them than to enjoy the pleasures of this world and of Egypt just for a season. Of course, leaving the burning bush, he obeys God, takes off his shoes. He's on holy ground. God says, cast your uh, staff on the ground. It turns into a serpent. God says, pick it up. I wouldn't have had enough faith to do that. I don't like snakes. And by the way, those were some pretty bad boy snakes because if you remember the story later on, he goes down to Egypt, throws down his snake, and those other two magicians, or however many they were, cast theirs down, and Moses is gobbled them up. All right, that was a pretty bad snake. But in faith, he reached down there and grabbed that thing, turned back into his staff, of course, goes down there, and with the power of God, goes and uh, um, inflicts all those, um, he inflicts all of those um, plagues. I could not think of that word for life me. Plagues. He inflicts all those plagues on Egypt. Then when they're leaving, he takes his staff with the power of God, reaches across the Red Sea. The children of Israel walk across on dry ground. Pretty amazing. In, all in faith. In faith, by the way. Then we have Rahab, which is actually one of my favorite ones in all this story. She was a prostitute. The Bible says Rahab the harlot. She was paid money for sexual acts by men. I would even say probably the scum of society. The Israelites going into the promised land come across Jericho. And of course, the command is to take over Jericho, kill all living inside. And you know what? The spies that go in to that land, they go in there and Rahab hides them in her house. And she says, you know what? I've heard the report. I've heard the report of what you have done. I've heard how the, how the children of Israel have crossed uh, the Red Sea on dry ground. I've heard that. He said, I've heard that God gave you victory over both kings of the Amorites. Your God is the true God. I believe that. And you know what? She simply, in simple faith, did what the spy said. They said, if you take this scarlet thread and you put it on your window outside your wall, everybody inside your house that's there will live. And of course she did. And you know what? The most, one of the most amazing things, not only was she saved, but she ended up marrying somebody from the tribe of Judah, and actually ended up being a direct ancestor of the lion of the tribe of Judah, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Pretty amazing, pretty awesome. All because of her faith. We have Gideon here. Gideon, who was really a nobody, who we find in the passage just living in a cave. God calls him to do an amazing task, task take on the Moabite army. And he raises up an army and God says, oh, that's too many. Cuts it down to 300. Gideon and his 300 a mighty men, and they take on, of course, the Moabites. Barak we have, who, of course, Barak and uh, Deborah taking on the Canaanites after they had been oppressing uh, Israel for 20 years. We have Samson, who we read through, seemed to just have failure after failure after failure after failure in his life, but he showed faith, especially at the end when he basically, when he killed more Philistines at the end of his life than he had the whole other time. Then we have uh, Japhath, who is only mentioned in just a very uh, short passage in the Bible, but he was the illegitimate child of his father. He was the son of a harlot, and when he became a certain age, his brothers decided they were going to throw him out of the house that he did not deserve to have the inheritance of his father's. A few years later, they call him back because uh, the Amorites are having trouble, and God went before 
of course, Japheth and gave him the victory. David, we know, of course, being a young man, there's already a king on the throne. Samuel takes the oil, anoints him, says, you're going to be the next king. And for many years, he's sitting there wondering how God's going to work everything out. He goes and faces Goliath when nobody else would. What an amazing story. Looks him in the face. And of course, you know the rest of the story. Then we have Samuel, who, who as a young boy, uh, God had his hand on him, who... Um, God had his hand on him, who even delivered a very hard message to Eli of the destruction of his family that was going to come. Shortly after, I mean, I'm sorry, many years after, the children of Israel, they wanted a king. And though everybody wanted a king, Samuel in faith stood up and said, it ought not to be so. Man, many people, and of course the prophets, 33 through 40, I do encourage you, but for sake of time, we're not going to look at it. 33 through 40 describes everything that they went through. Um, how that they subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, many more. Some very amazing things. So we read all of that in chapter 11, and we get to chapter 12, and we see the writer saying, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses. When I come to this passage, I see that, hey, other people have run the race and have been victorious. Other people have experienced. Uh, exemplified faith in their lives and have been successful. And a lot of these people, as we went over, they were nobodies. But you know what? They did something amazing with their lives and they continued and pressed on through simple faith. And I'm just going to say, if they can do it, I can do it. Hey, if they can do it, you can by all means do it. So after all that, we see we can do it. Then we go to the, to the next little section here and we're going to read the next part of the verse here and it says, uh, we'll just read again. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. I don't have my phone with me tonight, but on my first marathon, the one in Mountain Home, Arkansas, I did something very foolish. I was 14 years old, very foolish, and I decided I thought it would be a good idea I thought it would be a very good idea if I would take my cell phone with me while I ran the marathon. Of course, I had not run 26.2 miles up to that point. I had no idea really what I was in for. But I took my cell phone. It looked like uh, the old man phones that are out there right now, the flip ones. Okay, I didn't have a smartphone back then, and it was you know, only about maybe $100 or so. But I figured I got some music on it. I could listen to my music while I'm running. You know, 14, maybe if that special lady texts me, I could text her back. You know, I don't know, something like that. And I figured, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it with me. So I did, and I took off. And, you know, the first 5, 10 miles, no problem. Didn't bother me. Had it in my hand, stuck it in my pocket, tied it on my wrist, waistband real tight, you know, and took off. But after you get to about mile 16, 17, 18, it starts getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And by the time you're done it feels like it's about 100 pounds. Your arms are so tired. My arms were locked up from holding it and having it in my pot. And it was just, it was bad. And it would have been so much better if I would have just took that stupid phone, threw it in the woods, and went and bought another one. It would have been a whole lot easier. But I thought, you know, I need to keep it. I'm gonna keep it, on. I'm gonna keep it with me because, oh, I just can't give it up. I cannot give this cell phone up. You know, many people do that in their lives. We're running this race and we've got unnecessary things in our life, not even things that we would say, we would say are bad things per se, uh, but we see the verse that says, let us lay aside every weight. It also does say, and the sin which does so easily beset us. But there's a whole lot of unnecessary things in our lives that can weigh 
us down, that take up our time that don't need to be. I'm glad that after I got saved, I determined that no matter what, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I'm going to be in church. You say, well, Chris, that's easy. You get paid to be at church. And I say, okay, yes, but as God is my witness, if I wasn't getting paid a dime, I'd be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And not only that, I'd be involved in a ministry too, as God is my witness. Because I don't want my unnecessary things. I love playing sports. I love playing basketball. I love playing tennis. I like playing golf when I can. But you know what? Sometimes some unnecessary things, if they're not in the right place, can weigh us down and cause us not to have our full potential in this race that we should. If I would have ditched that phone a long time ago in that race, I guarantee you I would have finished sooner. I would have done a better job. Some of you in here, God may be calling you to do something special, but you're holding on to something unnecessary in its place. Maybe you got something on Saturday mornings that you do every Saturday, and God's been speaking to you about joining a bus route, but you know that if you join a bus route, the, the prime time people go visiting is Saturday mornings, and you'd have to give that up. Hey, throw it away. You'll be better off for it. I know right now in the moment you say, well, I can't give that up. I really enjoy it. I really like it. Get rid of it. We see that unnecessary thing weighs us down, but also sin. Sin is going to weigh us down. And the sin, which does so easily beset us. You can run the race with sin in your life, and I'm even going to say you can finish just like I finished with that cell phone. You can finish the race, but you're not going to accomplish all that you should have accomplished in your life. Addictions, anger, bitterness, lust. By the way, interesting thing. I was at Bill Rice Ranch 2015, a few weeks after being here on staff, and we took the kids to the Bill Rice Ranch, and one of the counselors that was in my cabin uh, decided, he said, hey, let's get together and let's take a picture. We'll use your phone, Chris. So we take a picture. He, we take my phone, set it all up, take a picture. And he says, um, I said, you want me to send that to you? And he says, oh, send it to my email. And I said, your email? Why don't just give me your phone number and I'll text it to you. And he says, no. And he pulled out his old, his old flip phone, like that old man phone I had way back then. And it didn't get pictures. And I said, man, why do you got that thing? And he said, well, I've been struggling with pornography. I've been struggling with pornography. And he said, I had to get rid of my smartphone that could access all of those things. Hey, he realized that that sin was weighing him down. And he says, I got to get rid of it at all cost. No matter how much it costs me, no matter how much you pay for whatever, get rid of it and it will be worth it. I just thought, man, some, that is something that a man would do. A spirit-led man would do. Wow. Of course, a few other sins that weigh us down. Pride, fear, which is, of course, the opposite of faith. Ambition, hey, my desires over God's will. And by all means, hey, the past, the past. Do not hold on to your past. I'm so glad that we have a forgiving church. I've been a part of three or four other churches. I'm sure many of you, of course, over the years have been a part of many different churches. We have a very forgiving church here. Hey, most people here, they're not hold up, they're not holding up on the things that you've done in the past. Hey, forget about it, get on, move, move on with it, let it go, keep on moving. Why should we let go of all these things? Because we have a race to run. What is hindering you right now? What is hindering right now from being the champion that God wants you to be? Whatever it is, lay it down, keep on running. The fourth thing, run with perseverance. We see, uh, we see here in the same verse as well, he says, and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run the race with patience, the race that is set before us. Now this word patience, if you of course look it up in the Greek, it refers to steadfastness, consistency, endurance, perseverance. 
the Christian life, the Christian race is not going to be easy. Don't believe anybody that tells you that. But the good news is you've got Jesus on your side. God's looking for Christians that, that have some grit, that are going to press on through some tough times. Of course, the first marathon that I ran, and really, actually, the Blues Marathon is probably a better example. It was very exciting. You start out, you start out with a huge crowd. I believe there was somewhere around 10 to 12,000 people at the starting line. That's a lot. You can barely even see the starting line when you start. And it, it's pretty amazing. Uh, but it's super exciting. Now at this Blues Marathon, they had many different bands that would go and they would play at different street corners. That's what made it unique about all the other marathons. And so you'd be, you'd be running down uh, the city streets there and you'd see a high school drum line that would be set up playing. And I'd be like, oh man, that's so awesome. That's so cool. And it, it give you some, uh, it'd revitalize you and give you some energy. You'd go down a little bit further when you get discouraged, and you know what? You'd go down and you'd see uh, someone had a grand piano on the side of the road and was sitting there playing. And it's like, that was just super cool experience. But you know, once you get to mile 15, 16, I'm not sure why they did it, but there was no more live performances at that point. I'm not sure if I was just slow and I missed them all and they got tired of waiting for me. I don't know, but there was none. There was none, and it was very discouraging. And sometimes starting out in the Christian life can be very, uh, it can be very exciting. You get saved, you get right with God, you have your sins forgiven, you're on a spiritual high, everybody's coming along, patting you on the back, you get baptized up here, and you're running your race, having a good old time. Man, you open up your Bible, and it feels like, oh, God is speaking right to you, because he is. And you put that, that Calvary Road CD in there, uh, whatever the one pastor really likes is, you put that in your car, and you get all happy, you cry going down the road because it just touches your spirit so much about what Jesus did for you. But 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years pass and the thrill is gone. And day by day, it's a struggle. It's tough to make it. It's tough. When you open the Bible, you feel sometimes like, hey, I feel like I'm just not getting what I used to get. Why am I not excited about this thing as I used to be? Well, you know what? Think about this verse. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31, it says, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. On one particular marathon, I was extremely discouraged I had not trained properly like I should, and I got to mile 18 or so, and I was defeated. I even ended up sitting down. I was so, I just was cramped up. I was, it was bad. It was really bad. And uh, a funny story. There was this lady, this older lady, that started out the race, and we were all laughing at the beginning of the race. Uh, she could be Marilyn Rose's twin. That's what, that's. She had big old culottes about halfway down to her shins, and she was running this, she was running, you know. And when I got discouraged, and I saw that lady come by, and I see her in the distance coming to catch me. <laughs> I did everything I could not to let her pass me, but you know what? She did. <laughs> and the worst part, all my friends at the finish line saw her cross way before me. It was bad. It was embarrassing. I was down and out. I needed some help. 
I'm sitting over there on the side of the road. Literally, I'm supposed to be running, but I'm sitting on the side of the road because I'm so, I just can't go anymore. An old couple pulls down in a minivan. They roll their window down and say, hey, son, are you all right? I wanted to say, give me a ride, but I didn't. That'd be cheating. They said, I said, yeah, I'm all right. Do you need anything? Do you have anything to drink? I am so thirsty. He said, well, we just went to Subway, and in his cup holder was a big 64-ounce Diet Coke from Subway. He says, do you want it? I said, yes. I took that man's 64-ounce Diet Coke, drank the whole thing, and got back to running. Hey, it was just the energy that I needed, was not expecting it, would not have thought that would have happened in a million years, but it was absolutely what I needed. You know what? I'm not sure how God is going to come through with you, but if you just stick with it, God's going to re-energize you. You're, he's going to give you the strength. They that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hey, don't believe the lie of the devil. You don't have to quit. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. You don't have to quit. And run your race. I won't reiterate this, but hey, keep your eyes on what you're supposed to be doing, not what other people are supposed to be doing. I had a friend that I was running with, and I was so focused on what he did, I was trying to outdo him. I ended up getting burned out on my race. Shouldn't have done it. Would have been able to finish in a lot sooner time, but I was focused on what he was trying to do. I was focused on trying to beat him, trying to be better than him. And it's easy to look at other believers and say, man, I really wish I'd teach Sunday school like that person. Oh, I'd really wish I'd preach like that person. I really wish that I would witness like that person would do. I wish I could be like that person. And we're not focused and we get ourselves over our heads and we end up joining up stuff. It's, it's notorious high schoolers will... Uh, when their friends get called to preach, all of a sudden they get called to preach, you know, even though God didn't call them. Uh, but it's just because we're, we're watching what everybody else is doing and we're not focused on what God has us to do. And then the last thing is keep your eye on the prize. This is the last thing I'm going to leave you with. Keep your eye on the prize. The last marathon I ran, Mountain Home Marathon, I was tired, mile 20, didn't think I could make it. It's a reoccurring occurrence every time I run a marathon, hence the reason I'm not going to probably do any more. But... I didn't feel like I had the strength to go on, but I kept remembering what it felt like when they took and they put that medal around your neck. It's a pretty amazing feeling that you would accomplish something, uh, um, a, a, a big feat in my opinion, and I thought, man, it's going to be so awesome when I go and they put that medal around my neck. I said, you know what, I don't think I can make it six more miles. I don't think I can do it. But I'd look way off in the distance out there as far as I could see, and I see a little shimmering light. I said, you know what? I think I can make it to that little tiny shimmering light out there. I, I can't make it the whole way, but I can make it to that light. And I'd run with everything I had to make it to that light. I'd get to that light, and I'd stop and say, I made it. And then I'd look for something a little bit closer. <laughs> and I'd say, you know what? I can't make it to the end. I can't make it that far. But you know what? I, I can make it to that light pole that's way out in the distance. I'd make it to the light pole. You know what I say? Oh, I can make it to that tree that's about 100 yards away. Hey, I can make it 25 yards away. Hey, I don't know if I can make it the whole way, but I can make it to that, whatever that object is out there. And you know what? Maybe you say, I don't know how I can be faithful in my Christian life and do what God is supposed to be, God wants me to do. I don't know how I can do that the rest of my life. Hey, you don't have to. Set a goal for yourself. Say, you know what? Men, say, hey, I don't know if I can 
look at pornography the rest of my life, but you know what? I can determine that this whole month, I'm not going to do it. You say, that's too big of a feat. Say, hey, this week, that's too big of a feat. Say, hey, today I'm going to determine that I'm not going to do that. If that's too much of a task, say, for this hour, I'm going to determine not to do that. I love the RU program. Skip a meal. Hey, you don't have to do that. Whatever it is in your Christian life, and if you're discouraged, if you're down and out, keep looking ahead. Why? Why should we do that? The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know what? I'm not looking forward to getting a whole bunch of medals when I get to heaven. I love, um, I love Revelation chapter 4, the 24 elders there. Uh, we see something interesting that they, they get some crowns and they take the crowns and they say, I'm sure they looked at them and they say, hey, we aren't worthy for this. They said, you, O oh Lord, are, are worthy of honor and power. And they took the crowns and they cast them at Jesus' feet. And I'm sure when we get there, many of us will have different awards and things and we'll get them displayed on us. But it won't be long before we realize that, hey, this really isn't ours. We really didn't deserve it. The only way we were able to be faithful was because of what Jesus Christ did for us. How he endured the pain, endured the hardship. And we're, the most awesome thing is going to be able to take all of the successes that we have had in the Christian life and take them and be able to bring them over and lay them at the feet of Jesus. It's going to be wonderful. It can be a great time if you run the race like you're supposed to, or you can come there maybe being saved by fire only, or maybe just having a few old medals, and you walk up there to Jesus and you say, the song we're actually going to sing I, tonight, we're going to sing, I, I'll wish I had given him more. Tonight, hey, we've seen, we've seen that other people have run this race and have been victorious. We see that we need to lay aside the weight, the unnecessary things. We need to lay aside the sin. We need to run the race with some perseverance. And you know what? We need to keep our eyes on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. And we'll be finished. Lord, thank you for the opportunity. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.